What's up, babes? In along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orpik, down in front, a shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith-Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10.08 to go! How about Devontae? The Caps with life here in game five! Welcome back to Jaber's Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by Kevin Klein for our 199th episode. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great. I'm back in the Washington Capitals market geographically for the first time in close to a decade. They're giving me a warm welcome. Uh, the leaves are falling from the trees around me. It's my favorite time of year. Uh, it's, I'm doing great. How are you doing? doing well you know um i wish i had leaves that fall to the ground but um down here in texas there's there's basically one season it's just the temperature gets a little bit colder so uh definitely miss the season but you know i still get my favorite time of the year because it is hockey season so that's a season in and on itself uh kevin what are your kind of thoughts here on the capitals out of the gate i mean i know a lot of our listeners follow you on twitter so they've seen some of your positive thinking already but you know double down here Yeah, I would say that it is a surprise to see just how good the Caps have played. I mean, there's there's really not a whole lot to criticize. They've taken seven out of a possible eight points in their first four games. Uh, It hasn't exactly been walkover competition. They they played the defending Stanley Cup champions tightly. Uh, They they absolutely um, owned. The Colorado Avalanche, who was arguably the best team in the league last year. Uh, and then they had sort of a marquee build matchup against the Rangers to start the season, and they just uh, controlled that game completely. And then uh, they they have some competition last night in the New Jersey Devils where you're kind of thinking to yourself, all right, well, we've seen them rise to the occasion against some stronger teams. Now what I would like them to see is dominate a team that's maybe not at that level, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, the goaltending has been really strong. Um, they look a little bit different out there in terms of systems and and skating and passing lanes and breakouts and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's been it's been great. We'll see if we can keep it going. Now it's hard to talk about kind of this great start to the year without talking about Evgeny Kuznetsov, a guy that um, a lot of people wanted to trade last off season. Um, when his value is probably at its least. Um, you know, we've heard different theories banded about that either the Capitals were trying to kind of give him a wake-up call or um, they really were going to try to deal him. And then Backstrom's, uh, the severity of Backstrom's injury became more clear, so then they decided to hold on to him. But so far, Kuznetsov's looking fantastic, and it looks like the Capitals made the right choice hanging on to him. What are your thoughts on his play so far? Well, yeah, I mean, it's as clear as ever that the Capitals are going to go as Evgeny Kuznetsov goes. I think that if you're a fan of the team and you've watched them closely over the last five years, it was so evident during the cup run that he was the main ingredient uh, in that cup run, that he was really the engine that that motored that thing. 
And we hadn't seen it since then. It sort of disappeared. And now it's back and it, co it sort of coincides with if you pay attention to the, the things that he says and um, the things his teammates have been saying, we're getting a, lot, a whole lot of that, like the spark is back, the joy is back, which, uh, you know, I think we're familiar with from some earlier points in Ovechkin's career. And it, it seems to be implying that there was something going on in his head the last couple of seasons uh, that was inhibiting his performance on the ice. And uh, I certainly don't want to get too far into speculation about anything around uh, what that might have been. But if he's out there saying he's having a blast, he's back, his head is clear, and then it's translating to this sort of thing on the ice, I mean, that's that's fantastic news. I mean, it, it's fantastic news because the Capitals need him to be that player to really be successful, um, especially with Nicholas Backstrom out. Um you know, to stay in that same vein, the Capitals have had an opportunity to give some younger players more ice time with Backstrom out being uh, both Lapierre and, of course, Connor McMichael. Um, what are your thoughts on those two guys in the games that we've seen from them so far? Um, I, I know possession-wise, McMichael has just been tearing it up. Yeah, I mean, they you've got two young guys who look like they are basically ready to play at this level. Um they're young and they're fast, which was our two ingredients being uh, youth and speed that, that this organization was desperate for. So they're arriving at the right time. Obviously, McMichael comes with a tremendous amount of fanfare. Um, and and he's, he's just looked like he belongs. There was a play last night um, in the New Jersey Devils game where um, I, I think that Somebody hit him on a on a stretch pass and and he skated clear for a breakaway and um, Wedgwood or whatever that goalie's name did make the save on him. But it was simply a little slice of what's to come and really the only skater who we've seen do that kind of thing the last couple of years is is Jacob Vrana, right? And so uh, great to see that in the lineup. He he looks like he belongs and. Um, like you said, they need Kuznetsov to perform well with Backstrom's absence. Well, McMichael being able to warm to the task while he's out is is just as important in terms of establishing some depth. Yeah, the Capitals' depth is going to be a key for this team. They're an older team. Um, and, and so far, I mean, they've been getting contributions from kind of all throughout the lineup, um, but which we have expected. But going back to kind of the top guys, um, obviously, I mean, I'm very impressed with Ovechkin's start. He's got eight points in four games, including four goals. Um, Wilson's got five assists. Anthony Mantha has, has kind of dented the twine twice. Um, you just mentioned Jacob Vrana. Uh, talk a little bit about what Mantha brings to the team and how you feel about his play so far. I I mean, I think he's looked good. He's got goals in consecutive games, I think. Um and they've both been sort of that net front, big body presence kind of goal, which the whole narrative was that this fits Laviolette system better than uh, what Jacob Vrana brought. Um, I think that, and this is veering back a little bit into like trade evaluation world. Um, and one thing I've been thinking is that Insofar as that trade is going to be evaluated 
as Anthony Mantha's performance versus Jacob Rana's performance. Um, and there were like the caps also shipped a, a first round pick over there. So that's not all there is to it, but that evaluation, I think, especially for Mantha should start this year um, where he's, he's had some time under the system. He's had a full off season. Um, he's been able to be incorporated into the plans from the start, from the get-go of the season. Um, and then also on the other side, I know Vron is injured right now, but it was like he tore it up in Detroit at the end of the year last year when they were playing completely meaningless, wide-open games that are just like couldn't be more suited to Tavrana's style. Uh, so basically what I'm saying is like, now is when I'm really starting to watch Mantha like a hawk. And I, I think he looks great out there. I think he's super well suited uh, to to what the team's trying to do. And uh, he's doing it right now without the guy who will ostensibly be feeding him puck, feeding him the puck for the majority of the season in Nicholas Backstrom. So what do you think about what you've seen from him? Um, I like Mantha. It's, it's, and I always thought I'd like him as a player. Um, I thought he created tons and tons of dangerous chances in the series against the Bruins. He just wasn't able to capitalize. Um, and, and it's nice to see him, you know, kind of getting on the board more consistently. You know, if we're going to rehash the trade, I, I don't think Verona got traded because of on-ice performance as much as um, he fell out of favor with the coaching staff. Um, and it seems like that's kind of been a consistent problem from him based on what we heard after the fact. But that, that could have also just been an organization trying to... Um, justify a, a deal that didn't seem to be particularly popular within the fan base. Um, Capital certainly gave up a lot for Mantha, so it's important that he's a key piece of this team um, moving forward. I mean, yeah, they, they paid a lot for him for a guy that, that's probably about on par with, with, with Vrana in my mind, but as you said, he should fit the system a lot better. Um, Quickly, yeah, I mean, he he's the only cap besides Evgeny Kuznetsov who has more than one uh, five-on-five goal, I believe, so far this season. So, if he was brought in to sort of be at the top of the score sheet in a general sense, I think he's off to a pretty good start. Oh, for sure, he's he's definitely doing that. Uh, how do you think Lars Eller has done an elevated duty? To be honest with you, I haven't really noticed him very much. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just so early. Like, I I do allow myself to get a little bit excited about Evgeny Kuznetsov right now, for instance, uh, but not too excited. Uh, and on the flip side, when players aren't necessarily meeting my expectations, I'm still just like, okay, but it's it's been four games – uh, they have, they've looked quite good as a unit in all four. And so no one individual performance is really going to worry me that much. Uh, that said, yeah, I haven't really noticed Lars Eller at all to develop <laughs> an, an opinion really, I guess. So I guess maybe that's strange in itself. Yeah. I mean, is there like, is there something I'm missing? Is uh, no, what no, it, it, it's it's more that he's been getting elevated minutes and getting that kind of a, a nice assignment. Um, kind of, you know, it's a question of, would you like to see kind of more of McMichael or, or Lapierre getting those minutes instead? Um, you know, I personally feel like Eller is still a very good third line center. 
and I, I'm not sure. I think he has the skill set that best fits with with those other guys up on that second line. But um, who might argue with the results that the team's been getting, right? I mean, the team's winning. It's very hard to to change things when that's the case. Um, so at this point, you know, it you probably should leave it the same until things start to falter and. Um, I really don't think the Capitals have had a ton of holes in their game either when we kind of look at the, these first four uh, games. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about Mantha, and I said that Mantha has looked good and strong to me, uh, and Daniel Sprung is off to a pretty nice start as well, I think. And so maybe just by um, like process of elimination or transitive property, I have to say that I guess Eller's doing his job in that spot between them. I like it. Um, slightly off topic. Is there a single person on Twitter that you associate more with a player than Luke and Daniel Sprong? <laughs> he's he's taken a very direct uh, path towards branding his association with Daniel Sprong. But hey, credit to him. He was beating the Sprong drum at a time when it didn't really make sense to me, right? Like he was, he saw something in Sprung that uh, I, uh, he was selling and I was not buying. And uh, he, he was right. The, the guy, he's got a nice offensive skill set. And now that he's sort of earned a little bit more trust, uh, I probably have some more credibility with the coaches. It's becoming more evident. So uh, yeah, I don't, associate any one player with any one Twitter user more than Sprong and Luke. Uh, but I think that was kind of a nice uh, bit of analysis uh, putting him ahead of the pack Yeah, he, he <laughs> with, with Sprong. He definitely nailed it. I mean, Sprong had that great goal against New Jersey, um, you know, chipping the puck around um, Dougie Hamilton, if I, if I recall correctly and, and coming in and then, doing a great job opening up the goalie and, and, and scoring five hole, um, which is, I mean, that whole play was kind of a great example of what the Caps can get from him. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with what they've seen from him so far this year. Well, and I think that it's, if there was a knock on Sprong, it was what he does in the defensive zone. So for that play to have originated with a, a great read by him and a great individual play in the defensive zone, uh, I think was pretty big. I definitely agree. Um, you know, Greg's not here to talk about him, but early thoughts on Dmitry Orlov? Oh, he's been fantastic. Um, I believe that he and Nick Jensen have more ice time than any of the other units. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's really your top pair with John Carlson and Marty, uh, sort of being the top pair nominally. They've, I think they've been on the ice for something like six goals and only one against. Um, both of those players have goals to their name now, nice goals to their name. And uh, Rob and I, really Rob, broke down the play and I just packaged it up for the site. But it centered around Nick Jensen's goal against Colorado. And it started with uh, this really nice breakout from the defensive zone. And it was... Dmitry Orlov, Nick Jensen, and Kuznetsov down below the net winning a puck battle. And um, and then the second that puck was won, I, I swear to God, they were halfway out of the defensive zone starting the breakout already. Um, and then it was Orlov and Jensen leading that break, and it resulted in the goal. And uh, that 
is representative of the level of play that those guys have had so far. Um, you know, Orlov has sort of, I think, consistently uh, advanced his game over the course of the last decade or so from the point, like I remember when he was just a, a prospect who was trying to break into the lineup. And then I remember when he was uh, a third line guy. And then I remember when he was considered sort of uh, a middle four defenseman. And it seems like he's really advanced to the point where you could consider him a, a reliable top pair defenseman. Agreed. And for, and for Nick Jensen to yeah. be on the other side of that, where a couple years ago when Todd Reardon was still in town and uh, Reed Cashman was still in town, he looked borderline unusable. And so what we saw last year with Jensen and what we're seeing to this point this year, I mean, is a complete turnaround. It's a revelation, and it just changes everything on the back end. Jensen has looked so comfortable activating. I mean, it shows that he's only got the he only has the one goal this year, but he had the other one called back for an offsides. In addition, I mean, he has really been uh, a player that I've been uh, just really impressed with. I mean, he he had two goals all of last season. I think when he scored his first one, it had been his first in. I mean, this might be wrong. I thought it had been almost 82 games, regular season games between goals for him. Um, I mean, he just looks great. I remember reading a lot of articles last year about how the positive impact that they thought Chara had on rebuilding Jensen's confidence. And, I mean, I just cannot say more positive things about Jensen. Um, As a guy that, you know, it was kind of, okay, well, Kempney was a hit, Jensen was a miss, um, both being those guys that they got at the trade deadline for second-round picks. And now with Kempney still obviously not being himself, Jensen looks kind of like the guy that they thought they were getting when they traded for him and immediately signed him to a contract extension. Uh, I guess that was in the 2019 season, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when they signed Jensen, it was, um, and you're looking at all of his analytics from Detroit. You're, you're seeing a top four defenseman, uh, just in the numbers. And then he gets here and you're seeing, uh, what he looks like on the ice. And, uh, it's looking like a pretty big miss, but then Reardon and Cashman leave town, and I think I honestly think that Nick Nick Jensen and the Nick Jensen project is one of the more clear indictments of uh, of Reed Cashman as an assistant coach here. Uh, the fact that there's just such a clean a clear break uh, in the in the turnaround of his performance, and and that it happens to be right at that moment. Um, it, I mean. Just getting back to the, that duo's performance, Orlov and Jensen. I mean, these guys are taking sixty-one percent of the shots when they're on the ice. Um, they eighty-five percent of goals. I, I gave that six and one number earlier, and all of these percentage metrics, like heavy, heavy grain of salt this early in the season. But we we got to work with what we got, and uh, they're not. It's not like they're starting in the offensive zone all the time, right? They're they're starting in the defensive zone twice as much as they're starting in the offensive zone. So uh, this is the sort of thing where, man, you really cross your fingers and hope that uh, they can be this reliable all year long because the effects of that up and down the lineup are, uh, it's impossible to overstate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the team's just playing well, I mean, all around. Um, So we talked about, about most of the people still on the roster. Uh, anybody else is really jumping out to you? I mean, uh, one guy that I thought was, was really unimpressed by for large portions of last year that has been pretty good for me so far is, is Justin Schultz. 
Um, any, any thoughts on him or, or maybe TVR? Um, I don't necessarily have thoughts on those guys in particular, even though, um, even though I think that they represent a really nice third pair, like I'm pretty comfortable with those guys as your third pair. And I, I think that that's, um, really above average in terms of like skating ability and puck movement ability for a third pair across the league. And I like that. What it represents more to me though, is just, it's part of the, one of the more major year over year changes in how this roster is constructed. And what that means on the ice is uh, guys like Chara and Dylan leaving and it resulting in more ice time for guys like, TVR and uh, Marty, for instance. So they're just getting, they're getting smaller and less physical, uh, but certainly more nimble and, uh, and skilled on the back end. And I, you know, I like it. I like, I certainly haven't missed the quote unquote physical presence or even noticed it. Um, I, I haven't noticed the absence of the physicality, but I have noticed the, uh, like the additional agility and stuff like that on the line. And I think that, Schultz and TVR is a good representation of that. But to answer your first question, which is, is there any uh, particular capital who's like jumped out at me? Yes. And it's in net and it's Vitek Vanacek because that guy did not impress me at all last year. I was really very sour on both caps goaltenders. I was, I was sour on the whole situation. Um, (laughs) And, and frankly, like I, when, when VTech was drafted by the Kraken, my mindset was sort of good riddance, like just hand the reins over to Samsonov and let him either uh, win the opportunity or piss it away, just cut and dry. Uh, and, and then, you know, what was it, a day or two later, Vanacek is back. Um, and lo and behold, he wins the net by um, on, on uh, opening night. And I thought that was another indictment of Samsonov's ability to seize an opportunity, but maybe uh, I was selling Vanacek short and that he, well, he was really impressing all along because he's been phenomenal um, uh, through, through four games, three of them being his starts. I think he's tops in the league in metrics like uh, goals saved above average and wins above replacement and all, all of that stuff. Uh, which validates the eye test for sure. And I think a lot of our positive spin right now on the season uh, might be largely in part to strong play from him covering up some, uh, you know, some, some weaknesses that we would otherwise be harping on. But if, if Vanacek has taken a step and he can simply be a, um, you know, top third of the league kind of goalie. He doesn't need to be a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, just more reliable and more pro ready than he was last year. That's going to be another massive improvement year over year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really that time in Seattle. I thought it had a really big impact on him. You know, he, he <laughs> learned a lot out there. They must have a really, really superior coaching staff. But in reality, Ventex um, was great. I know they said Samsonov was a little banged up in camp, and I didn't know if that was part of the reason he lost his spot. Because, um, like, obviously the Capitals decided he was going to be the guy prior to the expansion draft, because uh, he was the one that they protected. And yep. uh, 
lo and behold, it's a very different story um, four games into the season. Both with wins, but you know, Vanacek's sporting a 946 per save percentage versus 889 for Samsonov. Um, and he just he just looks the part as well more than he did last year. Uh, I am no goalie coach by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I've certainly watched a lot of hockey, and he looks so much more comfortable in the crease. Um, I, one of my biggest gripes with him, this is so specific, but I'm still going to say it. <laughs> one of my biggest gripes with him last year was he seemed so slow moving from post to post last year to me. Like like any time uh, the opposition got him moving laterally, it just seemed so clumsy and amateurish. And that's not the case this year. He just he, he looks graceful and uh, like economical with his movements and it seems to be showing up. And I think maybe a um, like a a actual consequence of that is the absence of these ridiculous rebounds right back up the middle of the ice that we saw all last year. I haven't really noticed that at all this year. I thought his last, like the last five minutes of the New Jersey game, where the Capitals all of a sudden were kind of under siege after they gave up that first goal, um, was probably the best, you know, five-minute stretch I've seen from Vanacek. I mean, I thought he was just great. Um, he was able to shut him down. I mean, it was a lot of frantic scrambles in front, and he he, he kept his composure. And um, I, I was, frankly, pretty impressed by it. And uh, I think it's going to be hard for Samsonov to, to take the reins back. I mean, even, even with him having all those legs up that we've talked about before, that pedigree, um, being a first-round draft pick, um, being the guy protected in the expansion draft. I mean, the, the Capitals used to, were obviously high on Vanacek. They they did they traded up to get him back in the day. It was, and I, I guess after they traded back for him, he's he's doing his best to to show them that they made the right choice. And uh, you know, yeah, I mean they're they're at the point now where all of the, um, I mean, I. Yeah. I call them intangibles. I guess they're all tangible, but sort of like the off the ice considerations, yeah. uh, like like the draft capital and uh, stuff like that. I, there's enough of a sample size with both of these guys now that those things are probably out the window. Agreed. Agreed. They shouldn't make. Uh, there's no need to justify a decision anymore. Yep. Um, great. Well, we're at about 25 minutes, so just just to wrap it up, let's talk about a few kind of off the ice things. Um, we're now. Still, you know, four games in, as we've said about eight times, but we're we're getting games on ESPN and TNT. Um, it's been kind of an interesting experience. I, I don't know if you watched the TNT game, the one with uh, Charles Barkley made an appearance with Wayne Gretzky, and you know, Gretzky had some great things to say about Ovechkin, calling him, um, you know, already the best goal scorer of all time, and said, you know, clearly it was a lot easier to score back when I played, which I, I love to hear uh, a guy say. But what are your kind of thoughts on the new presentation we've been getting this year? Yeah, just in terms of um, the like the studio personalities, I like having Gretzky. I mean, he's he's the goat. Uh, his uh, he's a little bit, you know, I guess like vanilla, <laughs> just in terms of his personality. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's got great insight, and I think that for Capitals fans, like being able to hear his take on what's going on with Ovechkin is going to be really awesome. Um, 
Yeah, but, but then across from him, you know, they have Paul Bissonnette and, you know, I could do without him. Um, lovely and McHugh. Um, yep. The, all the, like, during the game stuff, the camera angles and stuff like that, I, it's not as polished as what NBC was, but, you know, that, that's understandable. They've only been doing this for a couple of weeks and I think they'll, they'll get there. And I like some of the, the risks they're taking and the new things that they're trying. There was, um, you know, I, I think that first game against the Rangers, we were seeing some like drone footage is what people were calling it. But basically the, the cameras that were above the ranking were kind of following the puck down low. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple games later, they did that. And I think they improved the image quality for whatever reason. It was bad during that first game. But then they also uh, dropped the commentators for a couple of minutes. And during that stretch, Anthony Mantha scored a goal, which is cool. But I, I really liked that. Um, it definitely, I felt like I was brought closer to the action. I don't need the whole game like that. But if they do that a couple of times a game, I'm super into it. Uh, as far as like ESPN Plus and, um, you know, needing to buy a subscription in order to access those games. I might not be like the right person to ask because I've been out of market for so long. I'm used to paying like $120 a year or whatever it was just to even be able to watch the capitals. Um, and your mileage may vary on the wisdom of making, uh, games more difficult to access for a sport that you're trying to grow and is in need of growth. Uh, but for me, six bucks on top of my Disney Plus subscription because I'm I'm not gonna get rid of that. I gotta watch the Mighty Ducks and the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, while not having to pay for Game Center anymore is a trade off I'm more than happy to make. How about you? How have you liked it? Um, I like it to an extent. Um, I think it was annoying for me in the preseason ESPN having the. Uh, I didn't feel like they had every preseason game, which I know it's the preseason, but um, I like to sound like I know what I'm talking about when I'm on the podcast. So that was pretty tough to not to not be able to get that. Um, last night I had to listen to last today's Friday, so Thursday night was the New Jersey game. Had to listen to the New Jersey uh, broadcast, which um, was pretty crazy because the last time I remember having to listen to the other team's broadcast was about. I mean, I was in college. I think the first year I had Game Center, and that was when kind of that was a brand new service. Um, was I think 2009 or 10? And back then, you used to always get the home team's feed, and then they toggled it. I think a year or two later, where you, where you could choose um, who you wanted to listen to, and and maybe that's a feature on ESPN Plus that I haven't discovered yet. But um, it, it, it's to me, I've been shocked by the amount of like technical issues I've had I've had with it as well, but. I think they'll figure it out. I mean, I, I don't have any problems with running my Disney Plus or any of those other apps. I think it's probably just an ESPN Plus, um, you know, how it syncs up with my TV and all of that. But uh, how's the uh, how's the delay on it? Um, it's I've only a few times had my dad text me um, with stuff having happened before it's happened for me, so it hasn't been too bad. That used to happen. All the time with Game Center Live. Yeah, it was brutal on Game Center. Anyway, yeah. you were you were saying you love something about it. Um. Oh, I love the presentation. I, I um having sh- the biggest change for me is I love having the shots on goal on the screen all the time. Um, 
I, I like growing up going to games we had season tickets i mean we still have them but but obviously i can't go at all right now being down in texas but seeing the i, I love just checking the shot counter wanted to see how the, how teams were doing about getting stuff to the net and simply having that on the screen like greatly improves my quality of life i i don't know why i just i like it and i don't understand why it was ever not there because it it seemed like some games they'd have it some games they won't and now it's there and i'm and i'm a happy man because of it hell yeah um kevin you know you just you already talked about your piece that you wrote with rob um why don't you plug that work where people can find it where they can find you as we wrap this bad boy up oh yeah well as the the season goes on you'll find analytical work for me and recaps and all manner of caps related stuff over at japersrink.com which of course you already know you can follow me on twitter at sick unbelievable no e on the unbelievable but you'll find me <laughs> and as always you can follow me on twitter at stringham a or the podcast at japers rink radio kevin we're gonna have you back next week for our 200th episode pretty excited for it right on all right thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back next week with both kevin and jp uh talking about the caps and i guess jrr as a whole thanks for joining us <laughs>